Welcome, everybody, to tonight's episode of The Macro View. I'm your host, Andrew Smith. So as everybody knows, we have a new president-elect here in the United States, Mr. Uh, Donald J. Trump. He's a businessman, and you know he is a populist and somebody that, that defined uh, all expectations and ended up winning the election. So you know, it's a very interesting uh, there's there's very interesting ballots because Republicans swept state state houses, have 33 governorships. They uh, control the Senate by a single seat margin. It's 51, 49. Uh, they control the House of uh, of Congress by you know decent margin, and they uh, control the White House. So it's a very interesting. You know, there's there's obviously some good and bad to that. Um, you know, we're going to look at some of the causes for optimism and some of the causes for concern. First thing I want to do is uh, go over this, <laughs> this thing that Donald Trump released. It's called uh, his, uh, you know, to, uh, the, the contract with the American voter. Um, you know, and it's, it's a, it's an interesting document. There's there's some interesting things in it. So I want to I want to read through it. I want to skim just go through it really quick. You know I'm not gonna I'm gonna try not to di- digress from you know from actually reading it. So um the first day of office of my ter- first day of my term in office, my administration will immediately pursue the following six measures to clean up the corruption and special interest collusions in Washington D.C. First, propose a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on all members of Congress. Second, a higher freezing on all federal employees to reduce federal workforce through attrition. Third, require requirement that for every new federal regulation, two existing regulations must be eliminated. Fourth, a five-year ban on White House and congressional off- officials becoming lobbyists after they leave government service. Fifth, a lifetime ban on White House officials lobbying on behalf of foreign government. Sixth, a complete ban on foreign lobbyists raising money for American elections. On the same day, I'll begin taking the following seven actions to protect the American worker. First, I will announce my intention to renegotiate NAFTA withdrawal from the deal under Article 2205. Second, I will announce our withdrawal from TPP. Third, I will direct my Secretary of Treasury to label China as a currency manipulator. Fourth, I will direct the Secretary of Commerce and U.S. Trade Representative to identify all foreign trading abuses that are unfairly that unfairly impact American workers and direct them to use every tool under the American and international law to end those abuses immediately. Fifth, I will lift restrictions on the production of $50 trillion worth of job-producing American energy resources, shale, oil, natural gas, and clean coal. Sixth, lift the Obama-Clinton roadblocks to allow vital energy infrastructure projects like the Keystone Pipeline to move forward. Seventh, cancel billions in payments to UN climate change programs and use the money to fix America's water and environmental infrastructure. Additionally, on the first day, remember, these are all first day promises. I'll take the following five actions to restore security and the constitutional rule of law. First, cancel every unconstitutional executive action memorandum and order issued by President Obama. Second, begin the process of selecting a replacement for Justice Scalia from one of the 20 judges on my list who will uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. Third, cancel all federal funding to sanctuary cities. Fourth, begin removing the more than 2 million criminally illegal immigrants from the country and cancel visas to foreign countries that won't take them back. 
Fifth, suspend immigration from terror-prone regions where vetting cannot safely occur. All vetting of people coming into our country will be considered extreme vetting. Next, I will work with Congress to introduce the following broader legislative measures and fight for their passage within the first 100 days of my administration. Middle-class tax relief and simplification. So the whole – I'm not going to read the whole thing. The whole basis of this is that a middle-class family with two children will get a 35% tax cut. Current number of brackets will be reduced from seven to three. Tax forms will be greatly simplified. The business rate will be lowered from 35 to 15. Trillions of dollars of American corporate money overseas can now be brought back at a 10% rate. So that and, and pretty much all of that is good. You know, you could talk about the fact that the the progressive in, income tax is is kind of wrong in and of itself, but it, in general, it's an advancement upon you know where we're at today. In the offshoring act, this is horribly terrifying. Establishes tariffs to discourage companies from laying off their workers in order to relocate in other countries and ship their products back to the U.S. tax-free. Basically, what he's saying is we're just going to make it to where it will cost the same even if you leave. And American consumers won't have the benefit of having that extra $0.35 cents accumulated by the hundreds of millions of people or maybe, the, maybe, you know, maybe it's as much as 35 bucks. And, you know, over and over and over again, and that's money they can get consumed on other things. It's, it's what you don't see, what you're missing. Okay. Inter- American Energy and Infrastructure Act leverages public-private partnerships, which, by the way, is kind of the definition of corporate fascism. And, and don't want to get in too deep to that, but public-private partnerships are not as pretty as they sound. Leverages public-private partnerships and private investments. Now, private investments is fine. Through tax incentives. Now, that's either a, a loophole or an incentive, depending on which side of the argument you're on. And that's why there just shouldn't be the kind of tax system that we have if we have to have a state at all. I'm going to try to finish this. School Choice and Education Opportunity Act. Redirects education dollars to give parents the right to send their kids to public, private, charter, magnet, religious, or homeschool of their choice. Ends Common Core brings education supervision to local communities, expands vocational and technical education, makes two- and four-year college affordable, whatever that may mean. And uh, the, other, the other part of it is le- at least a step forward in regards to letting people make their own decisions. Repeal, I, I still don't like that they're going to take money from people to then give it back to them. That's still kind of ridiculous. Repeal and replace Obamacare. Fully repeal Obamacare, replace it with something that isn't exactly worked out yet. So we'll see how that ends up working out. I'm not going to really get into to speculating on that. Affordable Child Care and Elder Care Act. Um, this is his. <laughs> this is his uh, daughter's wonderful plan to promote the working woman and, you know, give give. I guess companies an incentive to offer paid leave and, and to create some sort of tax deductible savings account for people to take care of their kids and for people to take care of their grand, their parents and grandparents, which is just kind of, I mean, come on, do we really need a tax incentive? I mean, are, are other things so much higher priorities that we don't already do that? So it, there's a lot of ridiculousness in that in the illegal immigration act. That's the wall. Or maybe it's a fence, like you said, on uh, 60 Minutes, but who knows? Um, either way, I, I have a heart. I'm reluctant to believe that illegal immigration will be ended by a fence or a wall. 
the root causes of immigration go far beyond being next to a country. You know, we don't have net illegal migration of Americans going into Venezuela, for example, or even into Mexico on, on large, in large numbers or into Central America in large numbers. It just doesn't – you don't have a lot of that for a reason, and there's a couple of main reasons. The first main reason is that we do have a fairly strong and predictable economy related to the rest of the world. The second reason is that we offer a lot of free government services, no questions, no, you know, uh, no, no questions asked. Uh, you know, don't ask, don't tell type of policy uh, with, with regards to your legal status. And you get all the edu- free education, the public education, you get the, the, the uh, public health benefits. So, of course, and, and a lot of you know, these mothers want what's best for their children. So they come here trying to get you know, this world envious education for their children, which we can discuss whether or not it's world envious or not. On, it kind of did on, on episode five. You can go back and listen to my views on the education system. Um, but by the way, the, the education platform that he has here is a step in the right direction. To give them to give them credit, restoring community safety act, basically increasing police state, more war on drugs, doubling down on that. We'll see how the marijuana paradigm ends up playing out with now a very large plurality of American, uh, you know, American residents and citizens living in states where it's either recreational or medically legalized, and prohibition's been repealed. Restoring National Security Act rebuilds our military, eliminating defense sequester, basically more military spending. There's one aspect of it that he wants to allow VA uh, cardholders to be able to go and get private services and and have the VA fund or basically the government pay for it so that they don't they're not only stuck with a VA hospital or VA doctors. They can kind of pick and choose their doctor or hospital wherever they want to go. They can go to the VA still, but they don't have to. Um, we'll see how that works out. Most people will probably decide not to go to the VA because a government bureaucratically run system is not as efficient or as, uh, you know, competitive and, and all the things that, that would relate to competitiveness that they're not going to have as quality of a staff. And I mean, I'm not saying this to, to bash the VA, the VA does a lot of good things, but I'm just saying that there is a better system for handling things like that. Uh, clean up corruption in Washington Act, and basically this is new ethics reforms. So there's some really there's some really decent stuff in there. There's some horrible stuff, and a lot of this is going to boil down to a couple of things. And and one of the reasons why there is some cause for optimism is that Justin Amash, Thomas Massey, you know, which if you're part of sort of the liberty movement, you kind of know who they are. And Rand Paul all got elected with a 51 seat majority by Republicans, Rand Paul has a lot of power. Um, it's unseemly to have a 51 seat majority and still have to, you know, have one Republican sit out the rest of the Republicans to party lines and have the vice president come in and tie break and nuclear option things through Rand Paul is going to have a lot of power in the Senate. And that could be a really good thing. He could help to prevent some warmongering, you know, but a lot of this is going to boil down to a lot of what the, the president's power is, is appointments. I mean, it's, it's really going to boil down to appointments because and there's day-to-day stuff. The president doesn't have eyes everywhere. There's people running bureaucracies and the appointments are where 
especially in the modern, you know, when, when the uh, non-deference doctrine has been blown out of the water and everything's deferred to bureaucracies, the appointments that he makes are going to be very important. And, you know, some of the appointments in regards to foreign policy are going to be very important given his lack of military experience and the likelihood that he's going to probably take the advice of the, the people that quote unquote know best to begin with. If they screw up and make him look bad, he'll probably be quick to fire them and find somebody else who could do the job. And that was kind of what his, his, uh, you know, his long running show on TV was about. So it, that that's possible in there, but I, I don't know. And the, the name John Bolton being floated does give me cause for concern as somebody who doesn't want to see another four years of occupation in the Middle East of our military wasting our dollar, our money. And you know, Trump has said, you know, well, with the money we've wasted in, in the Middle East, we could have rebuilt our country twice. And, you know, that's coming from the philosophy of government could have taken that money and rebuilt the country, not that we could have left that money in the American people's hands. And they could have had extra money to dollar vote the things that they want and allow entrepreneurs to deliver the services that, that, you know, that they desire. Not to digress, there are some good things in there. And, and with, with, with a I, – I hesitate to say this because the Republican Party have, have, has, has always preached free markets. They've always preached free markets, but they haven't always stuck to them. They, they typically have as much cronyism, as, as many boondoggles, and they love the military-industrial complex. So I hesitate to say this, but at least they grasp the concept of self-reliance and, and uh, self-responsibility. They, they grasp the concept of, uh, of, of what markets do and how market prices operate. They don't take the logic all the way down to the individual. They don't necessarily understand that. They still think in group think, but they do at least understand that, hey, imposing regulatory compliance costs just diverts capital away from potentially productive, you know, productive employing and wage raising uh, causes and resources and puts it towards compliance resources, which have very little productivity and just take time. They suck time and cost and cost away from the business being able to pursue their main goal of delivering a certain product or service to the end consumer at the best and most competitive price and the highest quality of service, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. So I, I just, I hesitate to say that, that having this sweeping majority will, will actually lead to something. There could be something radical. I mean, they're, they're, I think that there's enough control by Republicans to actually, you know, invoke constitutional uh, conve- or convention of the states, I guess it would be called, in, in which you could amend constitution, um, you know, sort of, I, I guess you amend the co- constitution directly. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it takes a lot of moving pieces, but something like that, I guess, is, is feasible, hopefully there would be some moves back to at least the deference clause, if not something more radical, um, like implementing a constitutional amendment that requires mens rea, uh, mens rea malum in se. Essentially, you've got to, you have to, you know, they have to prove when, when proving this regulation that A, this thing is wrong in and of itself. 
You could also see something like jury nullification be, becoming a, a uh, mandated ju- uh, judge instruction to the jury. The, the jury has the right to nullify certain laws if they feel as though it shouldn't be a law to begin with. They don't have to convict based on the fact that whether or not that person broke the law. They can also say that's a really ridiculous and stupid law. So something like forcing judges to give juries instructions that they can nullify the law if they feel as though the law is wrong and that this person should have never been arrested to begin with. Something like that could potentially happen. It's, it's far-fetched. It's wishful thinking. But with the power that a Rand Paul could have as that 51st vote, you could also see some of these tax plans get through and you could tie on some massive bureaucratic rollback on them. I'm, I'm going to say this, that I'm not likely to get what I want. People on the left are absolutely not going to get what they want, which good. And people who really have built up Trump to be somebody who's going to go in there and drain the swamp, it's going to be tough for him to do. And, and uh, there, there's a lot of his personality that does actually believe government plays a significant role in the individual's lives and that government should manipulate and socially engineer things in order to make people's lives better. He, he does have a piece of that in him. He is not Ron Paul. He is not somebody who believes people should be able to choose for themselves, that they'll be able to make good decisions for themselves. And that segues me into what I want to, you know, I want to leave a couple of messages here. So the first message that I want to leave is to the right. And I want to say that you, I wrote a blog post about this. You really should stop. You got to call these people that are, that are rioting and that are, that are, that are throwing hissy fits and temper tantrums and actually causing damage right here, right down the street from where I'm broadcasting right now, not even right down the street, on the block. You know, I live on Olympic and Grand, and that's where I'm broadcasting from. And on, on uh, Olympic, they walked right down, marched right down. There's a bunch of vandalism. There's, there are broken windows, uh, businesses. There's a 7-Eleven right across the street. It shut down uh, for three days in a row at night. It's open 24 hours. I, I mean, I, I got a message for the right about about these people they're not anarchists so don't call them that they love government they love government they think government is the great equalizer that it will make sure that there's no differences between anybody so don't call them that call them what they are they're radical socialists that believe in equality of outcome and while they preach diversity They do not believe in diversity at all. They believe diversity is infectious because diversity would mean, guess what? There's some people that are viewed as more valuable than others individually, regardless of race or whatever, diversity of views, diversity of knowledge, diversity of of skill. People have preferences, and and sometimes those those preferences at some points line up with other people's. But as you go down the list, nobody has the exact same preferences. And these people want to impose their preferences via the force of government on everybody else. That's not anarchy. Okay? That is radical 
radical socialism or communism. That's where you've seen that. Or some sort of feudalism that they want to take us to. Or fascism. It's... Anarchy, which there's only real – if you really follow the logic all the way down, I don't want to get into this too deeply. There's only one type of anarchy that's not an oxymoron and self-contradictory, and that's anarcho-capitalism in which there's a stateless society. You have self-sovereignty, and everything is based on voluntary trade. You have private security that you know local population comes together and – and they voluntarily chip in and hire organizations so that then they can voluntarily fire those organizations as well. You don't have to wait for a certain period of time to vote for somebody new in order to clean shit up, in order to quote-unquote drain the swamp. The swamp gets drained immediately if there's something bad going on in the markets. It gets drained really quickly. So it, that system is a system that is based on the principle of the uh, the non-aggression principle that you do not invoke aggression and we're talking we're not talking about the left's redefining of aggression to microaggression or things that you say that that somehow subtly offend somebody else no what it's talking about is physically aggressing on somebody else hurt destroying or damaging somebody's property or damaging their being. And that is very different from what these people are. These people want to impose their views on everybody else. They're just upset that a different group of people got to impose it on them. And their argument is, well, that's only 48 million of the 49 million people that voted. So for it be what it would be better if 49 million got to control the 48 million people plus all the people that didn't vote. That's what they want. They want they want to get rid of the electoral college, and they want to replace it with a popular vote, which will turn into urban mob war, urban mob rule. Uh, you know that's what that will turn into. We know that if there's a popular vote, the Democrats would be one party rule. L.A., Chicago, San Francisco, Houston, Dallas, New York, and uh, you know Atlanta, etc. All urban centers, all heavily blue. They would elect the president every time. I mean that that's what would happen. And then you add in the fact that you have you know populist pro labor um, that are typically socialist leaning and believe that government has a big role in playing arbitrator or negotiator between them and private businesses that that these union organizations want government to help them negotiate for better deals, put laws in place that block competitors, block block labor competitors. You must join the union in order to participate in this, this and that. And that's, that has nothing to do with, uh, you know, if we had a popular vote, all those people would, would vote for, you know Hillary Clinton or or somebody like Bernie Sanders, and and that's far more dangerous. And the, the fact that Trump won could even fuel the you know the Bernie movement into next election cycle. You could see a draining of the swamp of Democrats, so to speak, and a replacing of a lot of social Democrats, which are also socialists. They just believe they'll just take your money. You know, we're not going to own the means of the production. We're just going to take what you produce, a large percentage of it. We're going to give it to other people for 
whatever whim of a reason at that time based on who's in office. That's how that works. And it, it, a lot of it is, it, it, you know, now to share the point of the, the the rant that I've been on is tell the right don't call them anarchist call them what they are they are radical leftist communist socialist fascists that they want urban mob rule single party rule it doesn't matter if it had been the most incredibly phenomenal person in the world to have won as a Republican it wouldn't have mattered if it was a libertarian that won that believed in all of their social platform begging them to give capitalism a try they would be doing the same thing because this is about mob rule one party rule because none of these people think for themselves or think about the logic they contradict themselves and they justify some absolutely horrible things that not only do they do but they go and vote for they justify using force against other people all the time that is not the same as anarchy. And what you end up doing is you end up saying, well, you end up aligning yourself. Because if you're a conservative who wants smaller government, the ultimate ideal is to say, well, eventually people civilized enough, are civilized enough, maybe 150, 200 years from now, we, we, you know, we become more and more civilized. Uh, you know, the world's more and more productive. There's no scarcity. There's less incentive to commit crime. And maybe a stateless society is possible, and you really don't need government. You can be self-sovereign. And if you look at it from a religious standpoint, if you're a Christian or Jewish or if you're a Muslim or if you're any – you have your ruler in, in, in your, your religion. And so long as you don't force anything upon another person, so long as you do not force or coerce anything upon or out of another person, then you go on and live your life as you see fit. Instead of that, what a lot of the people, you know, and, and that should be a, you know, if you're a conservative believes in small government, do not get yourself caught in that trap of saying that this is anarchy. Because essentially, okay, well, if, if you dwindle government to enough of a size, wouldn't it have sort of the same effect is what somebody on the left will say. If you believe that that's anarchy and you want to reduce government, won't that be more common under a smaller government regime. And of course it won't be because that's not anarchy. Anarchy believes in the principle of non-aggression or the non-aggression principle, NAP. You do not initiate force against your fellow human. And so having said that, I think we need to stop because what we're doing is we're legitimizing the made-up words and redefinitions of words that the left does. And, uh, you know, when I say we're, I, I typically align myself as libertarian, right, small government with the ultimate ideal of being a stateless society down the road. I'm not advocating that we sh switch to that tomorrow and all government goes away. Well, it might be nice. And, and who knows? People would probably be surprised at how well it would work. But it, it, that's not what I'm advocating. What I'm saying is that that should be the ultimate ideal if you are somebody who believes in, in small government and you should be able to argue all the way down that logic. And you get in your own way of making a small government pitch when you call rioters and looters and people that are begging for a different leader because their mob did not win an election. That's not – when you call that anarchy, 
you basically legitimize them calling small government fascism. That's what my post was about. It's called Stop Calling Them Anarchists. You can find it on macroviewnews.com, macroviewnews.com slash the macro view. And uh, there's a post right there. It's called Stop Being an Anarchist. You can also find it on our Facebook. Stop Calling Them Anarchists. You can also find it on our Facebook page. So really quickly, I want to, uh, before we end up wrapping up, I want to, I have a message for the left and, and the message for the left also comes with a little clip. This clip comes from a movie called the giver. I saw this movie with my girlfriend not, not too long ago. And this, this one, uh, you know, sort of exchange between Jeff, the, the two stars, Jeff Bridges and, and, uh, Meryl Streep. It's a really, um, I think that it, it actually, ex- it, it, it's perfect exposure of the ultimate logic of the left the perfect exposure of the ultimate logic of the left. And I do want to, I want to not only expose it, but then I want to go down why that is the, the, you know, the, why it's a perfect exposure of the, the mindset of the left and why it's also an ineffective one. And why if, if people on the left actually do care about these ideas, they need to, you know, I have a solution for you to actually start getting them solved. We could choose better. <laughs> People are weak. People are selfish. When people have the freedom to choose, they choose wrong every single time. So, basically, what Jeff Bridges says, you know, it's this dystopian. It's called The Giver. You got to look it up and, and and watch it. But basically, it's this dystopian world of equal outcomes and through genetic modification and the use of drugs, they've kind of gotten rid of people's you know, everything. I mean, they've gotten rid of people's memories and they, they pushed all the memories out. And then they, you know, they kind of have this perfect little bubble world and, and everybody's assigned to everything and it's planned by these experts. And, and there's one person that has all the memories and he's handing those memories down to the next person. And, you know, it, it, it's a really good movie, but this is sort of the climax of the movie and Jeff Bridges character is saying to Meryl Streep's character, um, you know, why it is that, that we can go back to that. And he's, and you know, at one point he just says we can choose better. And cause you know, Meryl Streep's argument is that, Oh, well we, you know, things like love and emotions, they turn us into murderers and it creates contempt and, and envy and jealousy. And it, it makes us hate. And, you know, with love, there's hate, et cetera, that whole kind of philosophy. And, and so everybody being equal and just accepting their place and us giving them their place and not having any emotions about it, that's a better world. We can't go back to the old world. We've got to keep the memories out so people don't remember the old world and accidentally fall into that trap. And, at, and this is, you know, the guy with the memories being, saying to Meryl Streep, uh, you know, we could choose better. And she says, uh, when people have the freedom to choose, they choose wrong. Every single time. And I think that that really is ultimately the logic of the left. That when people have the right to choose, when people have the right to voluntarily choose for themselves, they choose what's wrong. They choose what's it, not just wrong as in wrong for themselves. And, and in a lot of ways, they, it's actually saying the opposite. They're, they're saying that they choose what's right for themselves. And in doing so, hurt everybody else. And so you just have this world of everybody's out for themselves hurting each other. And obviously that's not true. I mean, society benefits and, and actually I would argue exists because of exchange and the division of labor and the fact that 
you know, if I'm focused on one thing as my expertise, I need somebody else to do all the other things that I desire out of life to produce those for me. And I have to exchange my abundance of production of this one thing for a few of this and a few of that and a few of Y and a few of Z. And that actually brings people together and, and is what creates society. It's what Hayek described as spontaneous order. So I, what I have to say to people on the left is, is you've got to ask yourself this one question. If you feel this way and all these other people marching feel this way, why do you feel that the numbers are large enough? I'm sure there's some smart people out there that if they just sat down and said, okay, how do I solve these problems? And if all you took time to actually think about and solve the problems, you could go and solve the problems without having to go through government. That's the beauty of the market. I mean, that is the beauty of voluntarism. You don't have to wait four fucking years and try to get enough people to vote for the fucking candidate in enough states that you want to be elected president, first of all. Second of all, this is, you know, the Constitu- if you've read the Constitution, you should know that we have three co-equal branches of government. And I get it. Yes, Republicans control the, the, the legislative, the executive, and will appoint a Supreme Court justice. The Supreme Court, you know, Roberts is a sellout to the right. And, you know, you can't hang your hat on the Supreme Court. You never know what's going to end up happening. A president that gives you fear is already too powerful. And nobody was complaining. None of those protesters were complaining about all of the executive power that Barack Obama had. So welcome to the Libertarian Party, basically. We've been arguing against the executive power and getting back to at least co-equal branches of government where they hold each other in check for a long, long, long time. If you're scared of Donald Trump, then you have to ask yourself, how did we get here? How did we allow... Our president, who's supposed to be one of three co-equal branches of, gov- of our federal government, and I'd argue that really there's four now because there's sort of a living bureaucracy in and of itself, but one of the three branches of co-equal government is now so powerful that he can single-handedly, without anybody standing in his way, go and, I guess, create internment camps like, like I don't know, like FDR did. So it's just kind of a little bit crazy. You know, the, the, the reason that Donald Trump won is because a lot of people were sick of the political correctness or whatever you want to call it. I really don't like that word um, or that phrase. I, I don't think it means anything. And, you know, but, but people were sick of being told that they were bad or nasty because they believed that they could make choices for themselves. And guess what? They believe you can make choices for yourself too. If you care a lot about the environment, or you care a lot about you know, getting women um, you know, the ability to, to get birth control or whatever it is that, that, that your main you know, cause is, which you know, there are women that, that legitimately fear now that if a fifth Supreme Court, you know, if a Supreme Court justice that the overturn, there are women that, that fear that for, for whatever reason, I'm not going to get into that 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 uh, yeah, that that issue tonight. But I mean, if that's what you're worried about, there is a marketplace 
where you can build up support and you can find people who feel the same way that you do. And voluntarily, you can meet once a week. You can meet once a month. You can set agendas for each other. You could go out and try to accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish. You could probably make a little bit of money and make a living doing it too because that's the way that a voluntary society works. If you're offering value to people, they'll be willing to pay you for it. So just stop trying to get things done through politics. In order to get things done through politics, aside the fact that it's really inefficient, it's so immoral. And if you don't like the way you feel right now because there's somebody that doesn't believe what you believe in the office, then you have to ask yourself how the other people feel when there's something that they don't believe in in the office. Ask yourself how the permanent minorities out there feel. And ask yourself how the individual feels that had no idea what exactly it was that would end up getting done. And three, four, five years, doesn't matter who the president is, find themselves in, you know, wrapped up in some sort of regulatory uh, clusterfuck that in, you know, either lands them in jail or costs them a, a couple hundred thousand dollar fine. I mean, it ruins people's lives because you think that a few people can make decisions about how millions of people that are innovative, that are creative, that ultimately do want their lives to be better and want the lives of their friends to be better and want the lives of their family members to be better and want the lives of their neighbors to be better. You think that a few thousand people that work for the federal government that by the way, when you get to the executive level of the federal government, even though at the lower level you get paid a little bit more, you get paid a lot less than the private market. So you're not talking about the cream of the crop. But you think that those people can actually make decisions? And of course they can. They know that they can. They go and talk to the quote-unquote experts in the industry, which are the status quo industries. Status quo companies in whatever industry it is, and those, their lawyers tell the bureaucrat how to write the rules. So no matter what you think, you're going to be able to legislate and regulate in order to give average people the hand up? You're crazy. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The only thing that gives the little people, the ultimate minority, the individual, the individual that's trying to make their lives better, they're trying to make the rest of the world lives better. The only thing that gives them power is the ability to voluntarily transact with people who either believe in their cause or like their product or believe that it will make them money in the future so they're willing to invest in it. And there's millions of different reasons why people will interact voluntarily and will come together. Millions of different reasons. And that is how you solve problems. You don't wait two years to vote for Congress people and hope that it's going to change. You don't wait four years to vote for a president and hope it's going to change, or six years to vote for your senator and hope it's going to change. You don't go to local politics and hope that it's going to change. You just go and do it. You, know, you, don't, you want to fix the environmental situation? Go study engineering. Figure out ways to, to increase solar efficiency. Learn about battery technology and figure out ways to increase you know, the... the, the the longevity of solar panel battery, you know, of solar battery storage. It, it, go and do something about it if you care about these things. Stop wasting your time and your money and your energy trying to get bureaucrats 
to benefit the, the layman or the average person. It's just not going to happen. Those are not the people that they listen to. They listen to the quote-unquote experts, which are the lawyers that work for the status quo companies in the status quo industries. And the main thing that they're after is not being disrupted, not being blindsided. They don't want to have to look back in the rearview mirror, those big, the, the, the big companies. I'm not going to get into the, the entire corporate welfare thing today and why that needs to change. You know, we can do another episode on that. But that's, that's, that's my opinion. That's my take. If you don't like it, if your person, quote unquote, lost, your candidate lost, and you're upset about it right now, you need to ask yourself why you care so much about politics and why you aren't just focusing on your causes and going and trying to solve them. As somebody that comes from a permanent minority, somebody who's a, limit, you know, who's a libertarian, and some, one might, might say a very idealistic libertarian, it's very difficult to find things that I agree with that government does at all, ever. And you've know, you got to learn to accept that government is not the solution to everything. The solu- government is just people. It's people coming together and getting directives from 49% or 50% or whatever. That's what it is. And, and, and it's not even that. It's, it's, it's the people that 49 or 50% elected to represent them, to give them directives, to then pass on and, and you know, overlord businesses and tell them how they should do things. And that you got, you're required to do this, this, and that, and the other. It's insane. I mean, people... People who are running businesses don't want to have massive disasters take place in their business. Obviously, they don't want to lose money from a massive disaster. They don't want to get sued. They try to treat their employees well so their their key employees don't quit. If you're out there thinking that you need government to do all these things and that without it, it would just be this dystopic, uh, you know, monopoly-owned world, and everybody would be enslaved. You, you ask yourself: Is that what you would do? Is that what your friends would do? Is that what your neighbor would do? And then you got to ask yourself: If you did take something over, and you took it over, and you monopolized it, and you held out, and you didn't deliver a vital service to people, how much money would you make off of it by not delivering it? And, you know, there's, there's, there's something called an economy of scale where when you, when you increase the supply or when you increase the amount of production and you make capital investments to increase the efficiency of your production, you make more money by selling more. So holding out on it doesn't lead – it doesn't help the monopolist to live a better life. There's a stupid theory. No monopolist in their right mind would ever do that. You know, and eventually, anybody who tries to corner a market, they get stuck in that market having to sell. Most people believe that the, the, the price will just go down so they don't want to buy, and that person ends up having to lower and lower and lower their bid, and they usually end up losing money by doing it. So it's, 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 the theory falls apart really, really quickly when you walk down the logic of it. You don't need government to take care of everything that everybody does you don't need to be so arrogant as to think that you know what is good for other people's lives i think a lot of people are sick of that 
Now, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I don't agree with a lot of his trade policies. I don't agree with his authoritarian view of the war on drugs and continuing that. There, you know, I'm, I'm iffy about his foreign policy, uh, to say the least. And, uh, you know, other than the tax cuts and, and promise to reduce regulations, there's very little that I actually do agree. I don't agree with them on the infrastructure boondoggles that he's going to get us into. You know, yes, he's a, you know, he's a real estate developer. He's done construction, blah, 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 blah. He's managed hundreds of projects or tens of projects, whatever. I don't know. But this is a different beast. This is bureaucracy. He hasn't managed bureaucracy. He's managed a company that he owns and controls with along with a couple of investors and maybe some creditors have a say based on a given project. But he's never dealt with having to, to appoint a bureaucratic you know, leader and have that leader be able to go down to the people who chose to work for this bureaucracy and tell them that they're going to be not doing as much. So he's never done that or, or, you know, in regards to infrastructure to go and get them to actually step it up and do more and to work out deals that incentivize them to get it done, you know, under budget and, and on time or earlier. It's a different beast. There's a lot of reasons why it's a different beast. I'm not going to go into that right now. I've already gone way over what I expected to go on, on, on this particular episode. I'm going to end it here pretty soon. But the overall message is, look, people on the right don't use false words the way people on the left do. Don't make up words to describe people that are rioting because the mob rule, urban mob rule, did not elect the president. And that the electoral college system did exactly what it was supposed to do and give a voice to rural Americans and uh, some of the more, more sparsely spread or spread out states. And on the left, stop being so arrogant. Stop thinking that everybody wants you to control their lives. Stop thinking that they're getting it wrong. People have different preferences. And you've got to accept that at some point in life. People are not equal. They should be treated equally under the law, and individuals should treat other individuals with respect. And the, the non-aggression principle should be adhered to at all times, at all levels. Other than that, you have nothing to complain about. This is the same system that you actually want. And it's, it's, it's a system where you vote for a government to impose its will upon the rest of the people, whether they agree with it or not. So get over yourself. It's, the fact that you're afraid of the president tells me that there's way too much power in the executive branch already. And maybe that's a coalition we can build to repeal some of that because you know, libertarians don't believe you have you, – the, 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 the executive should have this much power. And there's a number of liberty-leaning Republicans and liberty-leaning Democrats who, who, who at least in, not necessarily in regards to economics – but in regards to the power of the executive and their ability to uh, you know, execute, execute military orders without consent of, of Congress and their ability to do a number of things that there's people on both sides that disagree with, maybe we can come together and rein in some of the power of the executive. And that's my message to the right, my message to the left. For all the people that are, are liberty fighters out there, obviously we still have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, it, it – I guess we can say at least it wasn't Bernie Sanders and we, we didn't go full socialism, but Trump is a wild card. You never know. There's some ticking time bombs in the economy. If one of them goes off, um, 
will he do what's politically convenient or will he do what he believes is correct? And does he believe that markets are, are the correct answer? Uh, those are all things that I really have big questions about. So ultimately, I think there are some causes for optimism. There are some causes for pessimism. And basically, that's how libertarians feel after every single election. So nothing's really changed. The only difference is that Donald Trump is a little bit more of an entertaining, bombastic wild card than some of the presidents we've had in uh, a number, a number of years. Maybe it'll shock us. Maybe he won't. Um, but that, that is all yet to be seen. And ideally, the fight still needs to be, we've got to make sure people follow their own logic and don't contradict themselves. Because once they start doing that, once people follow the logic and don't contradict themselves, they're going to follow the logic to libertarianism. It doesn't work any other way. And pick the thing that they care most about and make an argument for how the market will solve it better if they're on the left. Pick the social cause that they care most about if they're on the right and explain to them how over time moral sentiments, if you keep educating people in the market, can change way faster than they ever will politically. Politics is 5, 10, 15 years behind moral sentiment. Now look at the marijuana issue. It's still like I think only 40% of the population or less um, I think of the adult population, 75 million out of whatever there are is 230 million or so. So it's 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 still a minor piece of the population that's living under a you know legalized marijuana regime of some sort, and the po- popular opinion has been on the side of legalization for the better part of the last decade, for 10 years. You got to stop relying on government for so many things. And once in a while, yeah, it does require some civil disobedience, but civil disobedience is just that. And part of the thing that would help civil disobedience lead to a little bit better and more free of a society is jury nullification and what I talked about there. That's something that could potentially be possible. I've, I've heard it thrown out there, and people on the left should be excited about that. People on the right should be excited about that. Libertarians should be excited about that. All right, everybody, I am going to leave it off there. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the macro view, twitter.com slash the macro view. Um, I'm going to start doing an episode every day. Um, tomorrow, I believe I'm going to be doing the privatizing uh, Social Security. I'll, I'll be releasing the, the uh, episode themes uh, probably tomorrow for the rest of the week. And so anybody that's, that tuned in today, Hope you tune in tomorrow. Check, check us out on Facebook. I, I, I think I mentioned it early, but we got the website up, macroviewnews.com. If you go to macroviewnews.com slash the macroview, that's the blog page. And all the episodes are on there with a little write-up. I've also got a bunch of blog posts on there that you can check out. Hope you enjoy it. Hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your week. And don't let politics get to you too much. That's the message today. Don't let politics get to you too much. Have a wonderful evening.